Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Thank you very much, Liz. I appreciate you doing that. You did a great job. Welcome to Lakeside Church. You don't, if you don't know me, my name is Chris Martinez, and this right over here, this lady in the red, the beautiful lady, is my wife. Stand up, honey, so people can know. I'm going to show you off. Amen. When your wife's beautiful, you can show her off. If she's not, you just kind of, you know, I'm just kidding. Y'all, you all, everybody's beautiful. No, you're all beautiful. I'm just kidding that. But uh, we started this church. This, we're going on two and a half years. And uh, we, th- this message series actually comes, it's a two-week message series that I really think you should hear both messages. Because my wife and I were talking and, and we, we kind of had this question. It's like, what does God want from us? And what, what, what is something that everybody in the church needs? And it's just really kind of a different church. Because there's people in this church, like Gerald, they've been in church for a long time. He served in church. He's been a pastor at a church. He's ministered. Like, he knows church. And then there's people that they don't come to church very much at all. And like, when they do, they like, they they, they don't even know if they believe in God. And they come to our church sometimes. And there's people that you've fallen away and then you've come back. And there's, there's, we're all at different levels. And there's, and then I said, what is something that even I need? Like, I can't put myself in a different place than you guys. What is one message that everybody from, like, the kid's side up there to me who's preaching, like, what is something that we all need to hear? And and I feel like that's where this message is going. And it's like, what does God want from us? And I'm going to attempt to answer that in the next two weeks as simple as I can. And and that's the question is, what is the one thing that God wants from all of us? That's a very, very tough question. But it's like, I think it's an important question. I think it's something that we should know the answer to, that deep down in our hearts, like, we should know whether we, we know the answer to that one. Um, you know, f- for a long time, I, I had like a, a, a very uh, a misconceived conception of God. And I didn't, I didn't understand him. And the God that I know now is not the God I thought about in the past. And so I want to try to clean up some misconceptions about God so that we can get to the point of um, what, what he... Uh, what he wants from us. When you came in, you should have gotten one of these little pieces of paper. I fold mine up and I put it in my pocket. It's some sermon notes. You can also follow along if you use the Bible app. We try to upload it there every week. Um, but the two words that would go on the top there, they won't be on the screen, but they give you the two messages. This week's message is called receive. So on the top blank, this message is called receive. And next week, I'll give you the next blank. Okay, but it's on the screen. That's not it right there. That's the first other blank. All right, yeah, don't worry, it's okay. All right, but this this message is called receive. I really believe that God wants you to receive. And so the first point in that is believe to receive. See, I grew up, and now you could put that up there. Thank you, guys. That's my daughter, Rachel, who does a great job back there, by the way. 
she loves serving the Lord, and she's been faithful since we've started this church, and she's always been running the words. But we believe to receive. And, and I want to prove it from the scripture. I want to show you it's not just my idea. Um, Hebrews 11.6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, do you want to draw near to God? Do you want to be close to him? First, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, I was raised in a little bit of a spiritual, um, like a, it was like a mixture. My dad didn't believe in God. Or at least he wasn't against God, but he wasn't God's fan. He never talked about God. Um, sometimes he would pray with us at night, but like God was not on his radar. My mom, super big fan of God. Like, she loved God. She would talk about God like he was real, and like she would pray, and like anytime anything happened, I don't know if you ever grew up in a relationship, and they're not here, and they may hear this, and, and it's just the truth, but it's the power of prayer. Like, when their relationship troubles would happen, I don't know what, if you've ever had a really big fight in your marriage, all right? I'm a Cuban married to a Puerto Rican, so we know how to fight, all right? <laughs> My dad is a Cuban man. It, it can get loud. But I can remember times when, when there would be fights in the marriage and my mom would say, I know what we need to do, Chris. And I'm like, run, run? And she's like, no, we're going to pray. And I remember being in my mom's closet and literally getting on the knees of my mom and my mom saying, God, you've got this. The devil is not going to have my family and you are going to move on my husband and you are going to move on me and you are going to transform this family I believe your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we get up. And do you know how good the relationship is today? Do you know that my dad became a believer when I got saved? Do you know that my dad's been on mission trips and my dad has served orphans in Albania and Guatemala and given away tons of money to, to needy countries? But it started from my mom having this relationship with God that was like that must believe for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists like I start there but then the second part must believe that he rewards those who seek him so here I am I have this mom that whenever a problem happened my mom would just pray and it seems like things would change but then we went to a church. It was a Presbyterian church. I was raised Presbyterian. Any other Presbyterians in the building? Love the Presbyterian church. But I honestly never paid attention. I was a little kid, and I counted the lights. It was like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Start over. One, two, three, four, five. I had no idea what he said. Um, at, at one point during the service, every time this one guy would stand up and he would say, at one point I didn't believe in God, but now I do. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, it's important. You should because he died on the cross for your sins. It's the only thing I ever remember clearly said from that pulpit. It was a great church. Have nothing against it. Nothing against that church. And then I went to a Nazarene Christian school. If you know anything about theology, Nazarenes, they were pretty good at making me feel guilty. So I had this image that God was constantly ticked off at me. 
that God was mad that I had sinned that morning. I had looked at something, you know, you're a teenager. Anybody ever, any, uh, the men in here, when you were teenagers and you went through the change in your body, all of a sudden hormones kicked in, girls look different. And all of a sudden I would look at a girl and I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. Oh, God's mad at me again. Or I would, I would do this one thing or, or a teacher would be a complete butthead to me. Anybody, anybody ever have a butthead as a teacher? I had a butthead as a teacher and, I, and then I was disrespectful to the butthead teacher. And now, now God's mad at me because I was disrespectful to somebody in authority. And I knew that I should always respect authority. And God was constantly mad at me because I didn't believe this, that he rewards those who seek them. I had this image that God was just constantly out to get me. That God was constantly waiting for me to do something wrong so that he could bring down his judgment. When the image I should have had is that God was out to get me, he was just waiting for me to turn to him. See, it is not that God is out to get you, but he's waiting for you to turn and he will reward those who seek him. So it doesn't matter the depth of your sin because when I finally turned to God, I was doing a lot more than being disrespectful to a butthead teacher. I was a lot worse of a person, stuck in drugs and all kinds of things. And so when I finally turned to God, God was ready to get me. And he wrapped his arms around me. Too many of us, we, we don't see God as, do you realize that he's eager to reward you? You have to believe though but that he's ready. If you seek God, he's eager to reward. Now, I'm not promising you a Cadillac, but I'm promising you those things you need like peace, like guidance in your life, like, like what decision should I make? Like, does my life even matter? Should I, am I making a difference with my life? Am I, uh, do I have joy? Those are the things. In fact, as we go down in the scripture, the next scripture uh, on the page is out of the book of John. It says, um, they said to him, what must we do to be doing? They're asking Jesus. John, it's a book, it's written, and it's recording the works of, um, of Jesus. It says, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God. This is what God, God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. God made it so simple. Believe, trust. And, and, and we're starting today with, with this message, but the key to it is that you have to believe that he exists. And I challenge you to, to, to take that step. And then I challenge you to believe that he rewards those who seek them. In fact, I'll share this story because I know not a lot of you have heard this, but, but I believe that it's important. Um, when I got saved, I, I instantly became the guy that drug people to church. Like I took my friends to church as much as I possibly could. And then it got even in more insane. I'd drive my car into apartment complexes and just fill up all, all the kids I could. Kids that didn't even know me. I don't even know how their parents let them get in a car with me. But I'd be like, get in. I'd have a Tahoe with like 12, 15 people in there. Got pulled over twice, all right? but it was for the Jesus. Amen. Anyways, I was taking all these kids um, to church 
And I'm driving home one night after dropping them off. We had a Wednesday night service because that was what they did. And we would bring them in there. And I just wanted them to know this Jesus that I had met that, that I was like, man, if they would just seek him, if they could just know him, they would love him. And I'm driving back and, and there's this lady sitting on the side of the road and she's sitting there and I drive right by her and God says, and I know it was God and I can't tell you how I knew, but he says, go tell her that I love her. And like any normal sane person, you should check that. If you think you heard from God, you should hold on to that for a minute. So I held on to it because that's kind of a crazy out there thing. So I kept driving. And as I'm driving, I get about a quarter of a mile away from her and my heart is beating like this. And I'm sweating. I'm literally sweating. And it's like, go tell her that I love her. Go tell her that I love her. Go tell her that I love her. Go tell her. And so now I'm at a point where do I eat my either A, absolutely insane, because I'm sweating and my heart is beating, or B, is God real? So I decided to turn the car around in Miami, where I'm from. And I stopped, and we're out in the middle of nowhere. Miami is not all South Beach. We're a picture of avocado groves and tomato fields. We're in the middle of nowhere. And I stop, and I, I didn't know what to say. So I said, hey, my name's Chris, what's yours? She said, faith. That was good. <laughs> Made me feel a little better. But then I didn't have anything else to say. And so I said, God wants you to know that he loves you. And do you know at that moment she started to bawl? Bawl, I mean, to, to, in today's vernacular, ugly cry. Like, <laughs> and she's just bawling and she's crying. And, 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 and I, I'm like, this is weird. And I'm walking over as I'm getting closer because I didn't want her to feel like I was threatening her. And she's just weeping. And, and I'm like, well, can you tell me, like, that's a weird reaction. I mean, like, I know, I know what I did was weird. But what you're doing is also kind of weird. And, and, and I was like, well, what's up? And she said, you're never going to believe this. And I was like, well, just try me. Let's, let's figure this out. She said, I broke up with my boyfriend. We smashed everything in the apartment. We put holes in the walls. I, I, I kicked the doors and, and I left and I just left our neighborhood and I wanted to walk out in the middle of nowhere. And I walked out to the middle of these fields and I was looking at the stars and I was saying, God, if you're really real and you really love me like people say it, well, then you should just prove it. Five minutes later, some dumb little 18-year-old jumps out of his Tahoe and says, hey, you know what God wants you to know? He loves you. Try God. Try him, not in a disrespectful way, but seek God and he will reward those that do. The next thing I think that applies, and that applies to me too, is I have to keep my faith in God. Can I be a little bit honest about the kind of week that we've had? Emmer, do you mind? Can I be a little bit honest? Can I put our week a little bit out there? All right. You want to know how fun our week has been? I got to have an emergency MRI for my back. Isn't that awesome? And I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm going to lay it all on the table. Should I lay it all on the table or not really? Sure? Are you sure? No? Don't? Hold back a little bit? All right, I'll hold back a little bit. Let's just say when your spine is not working properly, you can lose control of things below the belt. And one of my life goals is not to wear a diaper. And when that symptom happens more than once or twice, 
the doctors are kind of like, this is kind of a big deal. And I'm like, I thought so too. I don't like not controlling my bladder. But I trust God. I'm not afraid. God is good. Right now my pants are dry. <laughs> hey, it's all good. And that was, that was, that was my, the beginning of the week. Thursday, my wife wakes up and has to go to urgent care because she thinks she's having an appendix and her gallbladder is acting up and they're running all these tests and she's going to have to go back for more tests. She's in intense pain and she's in doctor after doctor after doctor after scan after scan. And I'm like, well, this is fun. But you know, we must be doing something right. But I trust God. My faith doesn't wane. God heals me, he heals me. God could heal me in an instant, or he may use a doctor. I don't know. I, I, believe, I believe God can do whatever God wants to do. But the one thing I do is I hold on. And so if some of you have had a bad week, I have too. But have faith. Because Jesus already won. He said it is finished. And you should have hope no matter how bad. So I will give God glory. The next thing you really need to do is you need to study God's word. Now, I put the word study because you don't just need to read. Too many people read God's word. And let me tell you something. Reading God's word is important. But try studying God's word. That's a little bit different. Um, I speak Spanish and um, you know, I can translate something for you from English to Spanish or back and forth. But let me tell you something. I can also mess up that translation. Everything you're reading, Jesus didn't speak English. Y'all know that, right? Right? Everything you're reading, you should study. You should study God's word. I believe that's required for me as a pastor down to, up to the kids up there, that it should go beyond reading God's word. If, if you don't know, if you, if you don't read God's word, start there. I remember the first time I opened my Bible and I was amazed. In fact, I was with a girl. I had a girlfriend. I didn't really even like her, but she used to talk on the phone. This was back when we had house phones. Remember house phones? So I was on the house phone and this girl was talking to me and um, she said, hold on, my mom's asking me to do something. I'll call you right back. And so I had just got saved and I had this blue Bible, you know, I picked it up and I started to read and then she called back. And she's like, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, this book is awesome. And I remember for like the next 30 minutes, I just read her the Bible. I was, <laughs> she thought I was insane. I was like, this book is good. Look what Jesus said. And it was John 16 and 17. We taught, and it, I just read her the word, the gospel of John. And I had never read it before. And it came to life. And I was like, this is amazing. And this verse in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, do your best. Do your best. If you all know Caleb in the back, that man does his best. He's brilliant. He studied the word of God. He's going to do better than some of us. But you're not responsible to do what Caleb does. You're responsible to do your best. Do your best. And the verse goes on in 2 Timothy 2.15, to present yourself as one 
I'm sorry, to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. You should check me. You should know the word of God well enough to check me because I ain't Jesus and I ain't scripture. You should know the word of God to check me. And here's the reality. None of us have it perfectly figured out. And I probably don't agree with everything that all of you think about the scripture. But you should have a reasoned and studied approach, and I definitely do for the positions that I hold, rightly dividing and rightly handling the word of truth. And then in Psalms 119, David says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Do you know that I, when, as I read through the Bible every year, personally, and then I read through the New Testament a couple times just for fun, throughout the year, and then I read the Bible three times every night to my kids, once to Chloe, who's a baby, who has a little tiny book, once to the boys, and then once to the girls, and they're all at different ages. It takes me like an hour, but I read that, and, and, and that's, not, that's not for me, that's for them, but do you know the studying, and when you understand God's word, you can pee your pants and not be worried? Can I just be honest? You can say, hey, my God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm safe in his hands and I'm in his will. Will. And your wife can go in and you could say, you know what? I know what needs to happen. Send a message out to a few people. Pray. Because I trust this God. In the book of Joshua 1.8 and this is just talking about the Old Testament, but I think it, you can apply it to the New Testament as well. In the book of Joshua 1.8, it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's the first five books of the Bible. But you shall meditate on it day and night and be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Meditate on the word. You know what you should do? This is how you'll know you've read the Bible enough. When you come to a part you don't understand. This is how you'll know you've reached a part that you've studied. When you come to a part and you read it, and you're like, God, I don't understand how that fits into your plan. And you got to chew on it because you're like, it looks like you're saying this, but over here you said this. And over here you say this. So when you get to the point, this is why you'll know you're studying and you're finally reading enough because you're wrestling with these ideas and it seems to be contradictory and it, it seems like God is good, but yet why is he allowing this to happen? And yes, I'm going to have good success, but all of a sudden this bad stuff has happened and you can wrestle with the scripture and you can meditate on it. And that's when you know you've reached a point that God's word is beginning to transform your mind. And then you can have good conversations. It says, for then it will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Let me tell you something. If you do the stuff that's in the Bible, people, people will like you. You know, I got from every job I've ever had, I've been, has been, most of them have been since I've been a Christian, and I always get rapidly promoted. Do you want to know why? I work hard. Do you know why I work hard? Because Jesus told me to. I really don't like working. If I could be retired and at home all day, that would be awesome. But I work hard, and I'm not disrespectful, and I don't gossip. 
So I'm never in the drama. I'm always like, yes, sir. And I always work really hard. And you know what happens? Every place I'm at, I've been promoted. And that's exactly what that is saying. You'll be prosperous and you'll have success. Now, of course, we know sometimes things happen. Um, the next thing I want to say is pray before everything. That's the next thing you could put on there. I think it's on the back of your paper. Pray before everything. See, I think uh, Christians, the only thing that we really are consistent in praying before is food. Can we be honest? The only time we really pray is before food and maybe bed. But I would challenge you as a believer, something, something that can go for every believer in this room is before everything you do, say a silent prayer. Be like, God, help me. When I'm at work and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to have a phone conversation, I said the same prayer. I had to have a very difficult phone conversation with somebody. I said the same prayer that I say before I stand up to speak every Sunday. And the prayer goes like this. If you ever have a desire to be a preacher, you can remember this prayer. Dear God, put your hand over my mouth and help me not to say anything stupid. <laughs> and help me to only say what you want me to say. And then I made the phone call and all went well. But pray before everything. Prayer works. Um, we can go to the first scripture, uh, for John 16, 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Jesus is, is letting his disciples know that he's about to be crucified and um, that things are about to change, but he's, he's telling them, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Do you know you can say prayers and that God will actually answer them? God will actually, he cares about your joy. And sometimes you go through struggle. Sometimes you have a hard week. But let me tell you something. God cares and he rewards those who seek them. And so ask, my wife wants me to buy a new house. It's going to take Jesus to make that happen. So if she prays hard enough, God may move me. But it's going to take an act of God for that to happen. Because she saw our friends get a new house. And we're like, we could get a new house, baby, a bigger one. We have more kids. And I'm like, we don't need another one. I can't even lift up a box. But she's like, but they're so pretty. <laughs> but God cares about her joy. And if she, if she prays hard enough, who knows? Maybe he will answer. James 1, 5 through 7. And this is important. How many of you have ever been at a place where you didn't know what to do? You weren't sure what decision to make. Man, this right here, I'm at, the, I'm, I'm, I'm at that place daily. And when I get to that place where I don't know what to do, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, I instantly say, hey, wait a second. That's me. I lack wisdom right now. Let him ask God who gives generously. And I'm telling you, he will. Pray before everything. He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave tossed by the sea that's tossed around by the wind. For that, for the, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So it starts with faith. But once you really believe in Jesus, put him to the test. Say, Jesus, I don't know what to do at work right now. I need some wisdom. 
I don't know how to answer this reply. Somebody sent me a text message, and God, I'm reading it, and it's making me want to punch him in the face. God, should I call him? Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom, Jesus. I don't know what to do. Come on, you know you've got those text messages too. Don't laugh. You've got them where you've been like, what? What? Ooh. And that's where you say, Jesus, give me wisdom. Help me to show love and grace and kindness. And he will. He will. If that wasn't true, ain't nobody in here would have got ever a response from me in a text. Number three, the next thing on there, praise God during everything. I think praising God is important. My mom um, did something. Uh, She would always have on Christian music and praise music in the car. And I think that that praising God, praising God, like, it just builds up your faith. It builds up your faith. It does something, music does something to your emotions. Have you ever put on a really sad song and then all of a sudden you're sad again? Or you ever walk into a place and you notice they're playing happy music? That's because they're trying to make you happy so you buy stuff. People know scientifically music does stuff. And when you praise God, I don't know what you listen to in your car and I don't care. I'm not telling you what not to listen to you. I'm telling you what to do. But praise God during everything. The Bible says, and I love the way it says it, um, it's out of the messages in Psalm 98 and verses 4 through 5. And I used the message for this just because I thought it sounded cool. It said, shout your praises to God. That's for those of you who can't see. Sing. All right? If you can't sing, you can just shout. Everybody, let loose and sing. Strike up the band. Round up an orchestra to play for God. And add on a hundred-voice choir. I remember the first time I walked into the church, because like I got saved not in a church, and, and if you don't know my story, I got saved with my mom, because I finally, my life was out of control, and I came to my mom, and I said, Mom, I don't know what to do, and, I, and she prayed with me to receive Jesus, and so when I got up off of the floor, I said, there's two things that I have to do with the rest of my life. One thing is, if I really believe that this is true, then I got to tell others, Because if I really believe that heaven and hell are real and that Jesus' blood makes the difference between heaven and hell, if I believe that and I hold that message back from anyone, then I'm a liar and I don't believe it. And the second thing I thought I had to do was to go to church. And so I went to this church and I walked into this church and it was the first time like, we had, I'd been to church all my life, and they, they just sang hymns out of a book, and it was cool, and I remember, like, for some reason, we only sang two and four. <laughs> One and three, never got any love, but it was two and four, and then we wrapped it up. But it was the first time the words were from my heart to my God. And it was the first time I was, like, just praising God for saving me and for loving me in spite of me. And I remember as I praised him, I felt like he was nearer to me. And I felt like my faith grew. And as I thanked him for loving me, even though I didn't deserve it, something in me changed. And so this week, like, I promise you, I I promise you two things. One, pray for my family. But two, we're not down. 
we're good. Like we're, I'm like, we must, something must be on the right path. God must be ready to do something big. There must be, if the, if the enemy and if life is throwing this much at us, I believe God wants to shake this town. And if I have to crawl in here every Sunday and have Caleb's big monkey self hold me up so I could talk, I will do that. No offense to Caleb. You're not a big monkey. You're just strong, Caleb. You're, you're a man beast. I don't know. You're just one of the strongest men I've ever met, Caleb, and you could do that, and you probably would because you're nice. But we're good. The last thing I want to I go through is, is a point. It's be an active part of a church family. And I don't care if it's Lakeside. I really don't. If this is not where you're supposed to be, then leave, please. I, know, I wasn't supposed to be mean. <laughs> what it was supposed to be is, is that God wants you somewhere, and you are a gift to the body of Christ. And if you are supposed to be somewhere else, then I want you to go there and be a gift there. But if God has called you here, then please dig in and be a gift here. But don't just be a blob. Don't be a blob at Lakeside. Don't be a blob at another church. Be a gift. Find a church and be an active part of a church family. God has called you for a reason, and everybody in the church is important. And there is somebody that you can reach that I will never be able to reach. There are somebody that will hear the message of Jesus Christ from you that would not listen to Chris. There is something that you can do that I cannot do. And if you're called to be a part of Lakeside, the door is wide open. And we want you to come and check us out. I mean, feel free to check us out, feel us out. I wasn't trying to be mean with that. Forgive me. I do pray for God not to say stupid things, but it's, it's very hard for me. All right? But I do want you to be a part of some church where you're active. Now, for me, I'll tell you one thing. I told you that I got up off the floor after I prayed with my mom, and I knew that I had to go to church. And for me, I promise you, no disrespect to my home church growing up. But to me, going to the church was the equivalent of, because I went to church and I had chapel at school once a week. And so going to church and to chapel was the equivalent of going to the dentist. You did it. You were never excited about it. There was never any good news. They always told you you didn't floss enough or you had a cavity. Sometimes it was painful and they got to fix something. It never, it never was a joyful experience. If you're a dentist, God bless you. You probably make a lot of money. But, but as a kid, I hated it. And so that's what I pictured church was. It was this spiritual dentist that you went to and the dentist would look at you and be like, oh, we just got to clean you up because you're filled with the world's garbage. And they would clean you up spiritually and tell you to floss more. And then if you might have a spiritual cavity, drill into you and you come up to the front and pray and then send you home. But it was not going to be a fun experience. But that's not the vision I have of church anymore, and that's not the understanding I have anymore of church. And I want to go through a few verses. Um, number one is out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Do you live that way? When was the last time somebody came to you with some gossip? And they said, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said about me? 
and you decided you were going to stir them up to love that person. Ooh, well, how could you show them that you love them? How much would things change? How different would the church be if somebody came to you and say, do you know what so-and-so did to me in the parking lot? They didn't even say hi. Oh, I'm going to stir you up to love them. Why don't you go give them one of them big, awkward church hugs next time? Just a big sound. Pull them in close. What if we all did that instead of it just coming from me? To love and to good works. Number verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. Guys, I, I hate to say it. It's not because I think that it's, it's just God's word. Like, we, we need to do this. I think small groups are good. I think coming to church on Sunday is good. And I think sometimes some people neglect it. The same way they neglect other things in their lives. And that God has a reason for you to go to church and, and he has something for you. I think God has more for you than you can even hold on to. I think God, remember the first verse where we said, what, what does God want from us? It's what we believe and we receive. And then we talked about prayer and we talked about all these things. Is God, has, God has something for you and, and a big part of that is at church. There might be a person at church that need that you've been praying about that answer might be in that church or in that small group. Or that need somebody else is praying about, you might be that answer. Oh, your car's broken? Well, I could help that. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you're a single mom, and you know what, bring it over Sunday or next Saturday, and I'll take a look at it, and if you buy the parts, I'll do the work. You might be the blessing. But if you neglect to meet as is the habit of some, notice skipping church ain't new. The church just started and people were already like, you know what, I'm feeling sleepy this Sunday. I could just use a day off. You know what, I just, I'm not feeling it. Not neglecting, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Encourage one another. You've had a bad week? I'm sorry. So have I. Probably half the people in here have had bad weeks. But we're still alive. Jesus is still real. And we're going forward. And I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but I trust God that he is good and he rewards those that seek him. And I trust that, that, that there's, there's a reward waiting for me. There's, there's the goodness of God, and I'm going to make it through, and, and I want to encourage you. But it's, the way that reads, that's everybody's job. Not to be unsympathetic. Like, if somebody comes up to be like, I just peed my pants, don't be like, praise God! But, you know, hear them out, and then encourage them. And then, you know, bless them. And let's go down and, and keep reading a few things. This is going to get hard, and, and don't hate me for this one. But confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
Do you know what I loved about the Christian school I went to? And I'm going to, um, uh, it's the next verse. It's James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We did this thing in church, and maybe you've done it in your church. And if you, if, if you are like locked into this practice, please, I'm going to offend you. Please forgive me because I'm going to offend you. But we did this thing where all the kids, like in Bible class, they would do prayer requests. And 95% of the prayer requests would be unspoken. And I was always like, so I'm supposed to speak to God about something that you won't tell me what to speak to him about for you. Just dumb. I'm supposed to go to God and be like, God, I'm supposed to speak to you about this problem, but you won't tell me what to say. So I got nothing. (laughs) But you know why we do that? Let's get to the root of why we do that. Because we know that if you really wrote down, my dad and mom are about to get a divorce, gossip would run rampant. Or if you really wrote down, I'm having a problem with pornography, shame and gossip would run. That's why God hates gossip. Gossip is a sin. And if you don't have anybody in your life that you can stand up and confess your faults to, I'm not saying that you gotta be like me and stand up in front of everybody and make a fool of yourself. But if you don't have at least one person that you can go to and say, I spiritually wet my pants, could you pray for me? I want to be healed. Then you're not in a good spot. That's not a church family. You got to have people that can hold the confidence, that can hold the secret. Doesn't need to be so that you can tell everybody. But unspoken just means I don't trust you. That's what that means. And if you're in a place where you don't trust the other person, then why should we even pray together? Go find somebody that you can speak to and say, here's how ugly it is. Here's how broken I am. Brother, would you pray for me? And then the blessing is there that you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person. That doesn't mean the pastor. That means anyone righteous in Christ. That means anybody in this room who believes in Jesus. That means any single one of you can hear from somebody. Somebody can say, hey, I'm having this problem. And that God has given you access to the throne of heaven by his blood. And that you and you and you and you, that you can hear somebody and they can say, this is my problem, this is my issue, and that the, righteous, the prayer of a righteous man produces wonderful results and has great power, that your prayers have great power. And you may think, well, I, I'm nothing special. Good, thank God you think that. Thank God you realize you're nothing special. Thank God you realize that it's just the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ that made you righteous. That allows you to say, hey, no judgment. I'll pray for you to be healed. And so I don't mean to crack too much on unspoken prayer requests because I know that those happen. 
but we got to have somebody we could talk to about our stuff. Last verse, and we're almost done. In the same way, prayer is essential. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Our church, I hope you're praying for each other, church. Pray hard for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Church, it's your job. Church, it's our job to be praying for each other. I couldn't have enough time in the world to pray for all your needs. But God didn't design it that way. He said the prayers of a righteous person. What's a righteous person? Somebody who that believes in Christ's blood, that his blood has cleansed them. So any one of you can pray for anybody else's needs. Just don't gossip. I hate gossip. So if somebody shares something private with you, keep your mouth shut unless you're talking to God or you're checking in with the other person. You got to have that understanding. You got to have that understanding. Because if not, and here's this is something that's true, if I hear you're gossiping, I'll talk to you about it in love. Because we all make mistakes, and yours might be a, you, you might be a gossip. And I'd love to pray with you so you'd be healed. You, you might be a gossip. That might be your sin. And I... And I don't have any judgment on you any different than anything else. But I just think it's important if we're going to have people getting prayer and nobody falling behind or dropping out, that um, we do that. Would you bow your heads for a second? Would you close your eyes? Maybe there's somebody here today that you're not, your relationship with God is, is not strong. You don't. You're not receiving from God. You're not studying his word. You're not praying. You're not going to church regularly. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're not an active part of a church and you realize that God is challenging you in one of these areas. I would love to say a prayer for you right now. Could you just slip your hand up and if God has spoken to you during this message about some practice, maybe something you used to do and you you need to get back to, but if God has spoken to you about something that needs a change in your life, would you just put your hand up right where you are? Amen. Amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob.